And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. Beasley had died three times within the last month alone. Each time they'd brought him back. And each time it got harder. The first was a simple heart attack, which they'd fought off by jump-starting him with a defibrillator. Later, balloon angioplasty. That opened the door to human error. Beasley's vitals were normal, until without warning, he flatlined. They'd traced that to a bag of potassium solution with too high a concentration and got his pulse going again by shooting him up with insulin and glucose, along with intravenous calcium and inhalations of albuterol. This last scare was the worst. A line infection that would have started small, as they always did, then swamped him with tidal waves of bacteria before anyone realized what was happening. That was the insidious thing about line infections. Once one line was compromised, it was all but guaranteed to spread to the rest. And he was hooked up to so many. This is Bones from Tarot Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. I'm Laura Shannon. And I'm Langley West. Episode 188, and this is one that we have on the books for a long time. For, we for wanted time. this to happen for a long time. Yeah. Uh, this is a guy that uh, is an author I first heard about back in the Carpenoctin Bames. He wrote some reviews and stuff for us. We interviewed him, I believe, because don't count me on that because my memory isn't what it once was. But... Um, author, musician, please welcome Brian Hodge. Yay, Brian! Hey. Hello. Oh. Brian, welcome. Thanks for doing this, man. Well, thanks for asking. I'm, uh, I'm glad, to, glad to do it. Brian's a guy who I think... Uh, here comes the smoke. Um, uh, I think is one of the most gifted writers going today. I think his collections are... Amazing, exemplary things that I've always held. The word exquisite. (laughs) Things that I've held like these are the standard by which my own work. I try to I try to use it as a (laughs) as a barometer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, never get there, but um, just amazing stuff. Rich, uh, dark, um, just beautifully told. Uh, for 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 folks listening who are not familiar with your work, Brian, if you had to, I do thought that, I would bow out now because uh, well, no. <laughs> I was going to say, so well, it can only go downhill from here. Once I, <laughs> I was going to say, for folks who are not familiar with your work, if you had to do that unenviable task of labeling what you do, what would you call it? Oh well. And I know that that's I know that's a really hard question for the for the artist. I, I realize. That. I know because I've, I've I've tended to drift between between genres, but I, I feel like it's all coming from the same place inside. So it's not like it's it's not like a singular genre tag is going to do it. And and everything you know anything beyond that sounds runs the risk of sounding pretentious. So 
I don't, I don't know that um, you know when you start when you start subdividing it in, into sort of uh, deeply emotive, uh, imaginative, magical, real. You know that you don't want that kind of. <laughs> let's call it. Let's call you it Hodgian. Well, okay, <laughs> that works for me because there are very few of us that could uh, could do that. Then that's right. Uh, I like to start it at, with people at their childhood, so I want to know a little bit about where you grew up. Yeah, I grew up in um, a town in Illinois, southern Illinois. You say Illinois, most people default to thinking of Chicago, but this was toward the other end of the state. Okay, um, okay, uh, hold on. I'm going to interrupt you, Brian, for just a second. Okay. okay. Where? What town? No, a town called Mount Vernon, uh, yeah. Oh, my God! Do you, okay, do you know do you, you know where Carbondale is, right? Sure, been... Uh, I've been scraped off the pavement there. <laughs> Absolutely, right? Do you, do you remember, at least on your drive uh, on the interstate further south, do you remember uh, a sign that said Dongola? Yeah, that sounds familiar, yeah. That's that's where I grew up. And, and every okay. time anytime I meet somebody from this area, I'm like, oh, it's like... It's, <laughs> it's a weird place, right? Like, once you get south of St. Louis, like, it's a whole other world. Uh, very different from uh, from the Chicago area, yeah. Absolutely. So, I'm sorry, you grew up down there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and our uh, main so our main metropolitan escape hatch zone was uh, was St. Louis rather than Chicago most of the time. But you know, I always like to go up to Chicago as well. But then just eventually had to had to vacate. Yeah, were you a monster kid? I was. Yeah, very definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of Forey's kids, I guess. Uh, I've, I've heard that term. Forey Ackerman's kids with the yeah. uh, famous, famous monsters of did film you, Did you have a horror host? Dude, we didn't no, have, we didn't have TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was no host for puppet theater. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't think there was. There were places and there were... Um, but you got the Chicago feed, right? Uh, WGN, yeah, that was uh, that had a had a wide coverage area. So there was that, and uh, there was uh, um, one of those uh, KPLR, I think, was the were the call letters on Channel Eleven in St. Louis, and um, so that though they would play a lot of a lot. Of, that's where I, I found a lot of Hammer films and uh, and the like. But I'm I don't think I ever gravitated toward a regular. Toward a show that had a regular host, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I would, I would. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people who uh, who grew up in um, like the New England area, and and that's that was a big pivotal part of their yeah. of DNA. But uh, that was that was something that I didn't really have access to or didn't didn't find. So for all that Sten stuff, you had to live up in the greater Chicagoland area, like. It, Oh, okay. It, it didn't get down. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's always one of those things. Yeah, for, for, I found that if like, someone's a monster kid, the next question is always about their horror host. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. uh, like, I grew up being s severely affected by mine, who was Bob Wilkins in, in the okay. Bay Area. And, yeah, yeah. Were you a reader? It was a deprived childhood. In that <laughs> <aspect>. <laughs> oh, yeah, reader. Yeah, definitely. My mom got me started on... Uh, 
library card really really early so that was one always one of my favorite places to go there the um and and the town had a, a carnegie library so um it was always um yeah that was always a, a spot for me as a kid right on um uh uh was there so writing came out of that the the love of reading um i I'm tempted to say it even preceded that. Really? Um, it, it, it's going to sound weird, but I had a uh, a real compulsion to write and communicate that way before I even knew the alphabet. Nice. So, no, like, I, as a baby, or or is it like sending notes? Well, or <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Mom. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I had this material in my diaper that I used for the walls. <laughs> 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 well, no, no, Free you, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, probably probably around kindergarten age, I guess, maybe uh, uh, maybe four to five. I would feel that uh, feel that urge, but uh, we hadn't we hadn't learned the alphabet yet. I think that had to wait until first grade, and mm-hmm. so. But yeah, I uh, I used to really have this strong urge to. Uh, to, to to put stuff up and uh, uh, used to make my dad uh, did a lot of woodworking so he had scraps of wood there were always scraps of wood lying around in the basement so I would uh, get a pencil or, and and scribble on these scraps of wood and put them in trees um, so that, so I don't know what they were trying to communicate but but it it scratched an itch so yeah. you know I don't know if uh, uh, for anybody who who believes in reincarnation, maybe that uh, maybe that's a sign of some carryover from a previous life or something. But even even now, I still remember how strong the compulsion was. Wow! Has so anybody anybody else sitting here? Did do you? Do any of you remember doing this? Because I did. Being that that young and that age, and just copying, like you know, like you'd have a book and there'd be these lines of, of symbols. And you just copy the symbols, yeah. and, and and then you would say, "I I know how to write." Uh-huh. <laughs> you didn't, yep. but well, I did not know. Uh, Harris Thompson. That's how we learned to write by copying the great. Copy Hemingway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. Hemingway yeah. too. He would Hemingway. retype again and again and again. Yeah. Because it, it made him think. On planet Earth. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just love the idea of Brian as a kid writing on a a note on a piece of wood and nailing it to a tree, like, "Dear trees." Fuck you! <laughs> like trolls in the forest that are like, you know, following some. It's it's like a, a religious text to them or something. Yeah. <laughs> Is it Ogham? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the Ogham alphabet. Creeping out all the older kids are going through. Oh my god! A witch must have put that up. <laughs> was was there a natural aptitude um, early on, like in school assignments? Probably, I guess. Um, I think I did my first story in second grade. This uh, this just came up in a print interview I did uh, a, a few weeks ago. That, um, but yeah, I uh, that was one thing that I always got singled out for um, up through um, up up through high school. And so by by the time I, I got into high school. Um, there was a uh, one teacher who ended up being a really influential teacher, but for the maybe about the first assignment that I ever did for him, he thought I plagiarized it. Um, right. 
because he was he, it was I guess for me it was normal, but he he thought it was um, above and beyond enough that he uh, he suspect he he wanted to check it out first that it, that it hadn't been plagiarized. Wow, that's good. That's, yeah, yeah. If somebody thinks. Yeah, absolutely. I passed the class in high school by yeah. plagiarism. <laughs> 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 but, but you say second grade. I distinctly remember a story, and we've talked about it on the podcast, a story that I turned in in second grade about a... It's a very Jules Vernian soul sailor waking up on an island having parts of other animals grafted onto him. And <laughs> I remember the teacher actually had a meeting with my, my, mom, my mom about it. Um, mine wasn't quite that imaginative, but mine too was uh, uh, an island story. It was just uh, one of those very simplistic things of where these guys get shipwrecked on an island and... And then they're all eaten by monsters that were probably heavily inspired by dinosaurs. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> they look like iguanas with fins on the back. <laughs> um, this teacher... But, but, at that age, but at that age, you always uh, you have to illustrate your stories. It's all yeah. about the drawings. Yeah. So, yes. uh, so, yeah, the red it's crayon probably about, about a half that day. It's what still that way. The, the, the words are just there to support yeah. the art. Lorelai, do you remember what your first story was? My first story. Um, I was really into Blood and Thunder adventure stories when I was a little bitty girl. (laughs) Yeah, I I was into the whole, you know, Jules Verne and and Tarzan and all kinds of cool stuff. And Yeah, I remember writing long rambling stories about explorers, you know, meeting uh, ferocious tribes and getting their butts kicked and stuff like that. (laughs) I think my first story was actually a picture story in which these people got shrunk down and they fought a head louse. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think you all need help. Cool. Professional help. This man. teacher, do you remember their name? Yeah, uh, his name is Jim Blair. Nice. We always yeah, he, talk... He died, uh, he died um, a couple years ago. Uh-huh. Um, so that was uh, that was a, a sad bit of news. But he and uh, another teacher named, uh, named Ted Quinn, that yeah. uh, they had rooms right next door to each other. And so they... Uh, they were they were good friends, and so one would come in the other's room a lot. Um, after team teach and whatever, we always yeah. talk here about the person that gave you permission to write, to like to 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 have the gave you the permission to have the hubris to to go. I'm going to put my I, thoughts you know, on paper. I I don't I don't know if I ever felt like I needed permission. I just uh, always did it. But I'll I'll tell you what. Uh, what the other one, Ted Quinn, did, he, um, I had him as a senior for college prep writing, and what he would do uh, for every assignment was give it two scores. It was, it looked like a fraction. So, um, the best, the best thing you could, the best score you could get was a hundred over a hundred. It was basically divided up into what you said, and then how you said it. And I never could crack ninety six over ninety six. I tried like a bastard all year to to, to do um, to uh, to beat that to get a hundred uh, uh, at least in one of them, and then a, a few days before at the end of the year before graduation, I um, because he he's the guy who also he was the teacher supervisor for the student literary magazine and I was on the staff there for the senior year and so the I was good friends with. Um, the uh, the with the editor um, knew her long before then. Their name was Leslie, and so I was talking to Leslie after um, 
after school one day, just the final few days right before graduation, and I said, you know, I, I feel like I... I didn't hit a target this year that I wanted to do. I always wanted to get 100 over 100, and I never could break 96. And and she said, yeah, and, and she knew what was going on the whole year. She she told me that, well, he he was ne- you could have turned in the best theme ever, the best the best assignment. He was never going to give you anything better than a 96 <laughs> because he wanted you to keep trying harder. Yeah, well, throw God. me a bone, teach. That's an imp- no, that's that's an important lesson, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was. I, I, so, uh, so he's the one I, I, I really credit for, um, for doing me this huge solid because he didn't want me to feel like, oh yeah, I can coast now. I, I, I did this. That's so cool. See, uh, so it was, a, it was a great, great, great lesson. I have a similar story with a teacher in high school named Mr. Lagonia, who. Could, could I sit same thing couldn't crack it couldn't crack it um, one day caught me behind us one of the what we used to call the portables with a girl uh-huh. <laughs> and um, the next thing we turned in hundred over hundred <laughs> uh, so uh, cheers to both Mr. Lagonia and Terry Lane out there <laughs> the um, do, you, uh, do you remember your first sale well, if you don't count um, high school and college literary magazines and and prize winners there, um, that would have been to Dave Silva's The Horror Show. Nice. Um, that was um, something that I saw, I, uh, I guess a market listing in Writer's Digest or something like that, and thought, well, okay, this sounds interesting. So I think it was about the third story that I sent to him. Um, he would send back uh, encouraging rejections. He sent encouraging rejections on the first couple of them, and told me to keep trying. So it was about the third one. Um, it was a story called. Well, it grew into the first novel. It was a story called Oasis, and he um, he took that one. So that was really the first time that I'd ever packed up something and sent it across the country, and fingers crossed, and then got the acceptance. Mm. And that's heady. Right. right. Remember that? Oh yeah. Time? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Even the, even I on Facebook, I just shared a uh, rejection letter I got from like back in '96 of something from Hustlers Busty Beauties. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I'm keeping this because this is going to remind me of that at the end of the day. <laughs> um, well, that's, but, the thing. that's the only reason I ever looked at that magazine was for the for the fiction. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, Tom Carnell. This is an outrage. Uh, <laughs> but King King said that it was the best market adult mag- men's magazine because they paid well and they paid right. timely at a particular time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in the day. Now were they were they buying like actual stories or <laughs> erotica or no? It's ho- straight up horror. Straight a lot, of, a lot wow. of Kings first appeared in things like Nugget and Gent and wow. my first story appeared in Swank. It's how you oh. it's how with an illustration <laughs> that was far better than yeah. the first. <laughs> well, it's it's it's, uh, it's how you legitimize your 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 magazine, right? It's like we're not just it's I read ass. it for the articles. We're <laughs> blood guts too and the interviews. <laughs> Is the writer's it, like? Does anybody use the Writer's Digest anymore? Is it is it applicable in this day and age? I haven't looked at one for years. I don't I know. know. Right? Yeah. 
Like, I, I think I have one from, like, 95. That's the book you buy with the, with the best of intentions. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. You, you, you buy this going, yeah, I'm going to submit to every one of these. And yeah. then, like, a year later, you're put it in a box to go to the library. Yeah. Did people used to give you subscriptions to it? Like, your aunt, when she figures out you write, gets you a subscription to Writer's Digest? <laughs> I was on my own. I had this brown <laughs> yeah, It reminds me, when my first book came out, my mom was like, oh, I'm going to get it. I'm like, oh. No, yeah, don't, <laughs> please don't, Mom. <laughs> um, so, so uh, short story submissions. I'm interested in your, your view on them in the world of, of the Internet where there's, there's a lot of markets, right? Blogs are, sure. are, are, are quote-unquote printing things. Right. And, um, is there... Uh, is there a strategy to it, do you think? Well, this is going to sound... Um, I, I hate the way this is going to sound, but I, I haven't had to actually submit anything for a long time. I've, I've, the, on the shorter work, I've, I've kept busy just keeping up with requests. Right. Um, there are, there's always anthology uh, invitations that, uh, that I've got. Um... um when when would so you there's, yeah there's a, so there's always been uh, I ha I haven't had to um, submit cold for a long time you know even if uh, even if it's an open call for submissions or something like that I've uh, and and may or may not make the cut I've I've always heard about it and and then um, just then done and if it's something that's uh, that's really interested me then I've I've made the uh, done the best thing I can and send it to them for that and cool. right. Uh, so that's that's always the way the short the, the short stuff has worked out. Have you ever considered? Well, well, not always, but for a, for a long time. Right, 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 right. So, so that begs the question: Can you think of when that changed for you? Because obviously, at some point, you had to submit um, mm -hmm. things and and get rejection letters and all that stuff that everybody goes through. Can you remember when when that when that shifted? When that toggle switch got switched over? Not really. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that there was ever any kind of a. You you don't just wake up that day and 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 know know <laughs> that that's that that's the 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 normal state of affairs. But um, I will never have. I know it's it's been a long it's been a long time. I don't know. It's uh, I've, I've I've had these invitations that, uh, that that come in and have kept me busy on the on the short front for a long time. How important do you think it? How difficult do you think it is these days between the um, the uh, balancing the actual writing and then the ever present need to be on social media and to promote? Oh, I'm still figuring that out. Um, Damn it! That's uh, <laughs> this is the real reason why Tom books authors on this show. He's like, I'm mining them for information, looking for He's ideas, like, yeah. looking for an, an honest man. Have you seen it? <laughs> no, because I, I started uh, when I first started out. Of course, these these they weren't there, so that wasn't part uh, of, of the thing of of the kind of avenues that I grew up with, expecting to. Uh, have to to have to do this and balance the other. So yeah, I'm always um, always trying to fine tune that and, and and learn what I can and and feeling like I'm doing a horrible job of it. Um, right. Just because uh, uh, I'll, I'll I'll get busy and 
uh, or, or get busy and active with it and, 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 and put a number of things out and then, and then kind of slack off when I feel like, uh, feel like it's been, it's sort of like a binge and purge, uh, or <laughs> binge, and, binge and cleanse period where I feel like, I like uh, I've done this too much and I really just want to, want to focus a while. I like to use like a seven to one ratio where it's like, here's seven things that I think you may be interested in because you're friend, you know, satellite friends of mine and then here's one thing of me going, you know, tugging at your, your pant leg, please buy my shit <laughs> or listen to my yeah. podcast or whatever. So you try to, you try to, I think, give some value and yeah. hopefully oh, yeah. it's enough that they'll have clicked like enough that uh, it puts you in their stream well, more. Yeah, that you just show up mm. in their feed yeah, much yeah. less. You but know, then again, as a, as a, as a quote unquote, we're going to call it creative person, um, I resent having to do that. <laughs> right. I trick you into seeing my... Into the, yeah. <laughs> well, I've, I've had a lot of these things that... Uh, instances where I've done things that, that, that may have been separated by a... So this is what helped me, me think of it a little bit differently like that than, than that. Um, I have a number of things that... Uh, well, it's, it's happened a lot of times where things that have been written several months apart or maybe a year apart, they'll all come out in a cluster. The, the, the projects don't have anything to do with each other, but they end up coming out just within a, a matter of days or a couple of weeks and, uh, or, a, or a month like that. And so I feel like I'm spamming too much. And so yeah, I remember putting uh, notices up about it and links on, on Facebook and, you know, okay, well, here's this one new book. Here's this other new book. And, and finally, I'm apologizing for, okay, well, the, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, <laughs> but here's another thing. And, and, the, and uh, but I had people coming back at me saying, the, the, well, no, we want to know about these. Um, so I, I started thinking of it in terms of really just, uh, uh, dissemination of information in the marketplace, kind of the traditional definition of advertising, and um, and uh, uh, people didn't seem to resent it as much as I as, as I thought. <laughs> the ones that get me are the I, I've seen them a lot now. It's the reverse angle camera on your phone view video where they're like giving you life advice. <laughs> do, do you check out Coffee with Doug? Doug Merkida? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know that one. Don't know that one. Oh, Doug is a is a Filipino martial art guy, and it's, <laughs> as he has as he has coffee in the morning, he'll give you a little he gives you a little life advice yeah. and yeah, <laughs> having nothing to do with. But every time or, I see that angle on someone, yeah. I just think, oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, on a, the ship of unabashed ego. Uh, I'm curious in the writing process about. You're, so you're chugging along, and you've got this plan for this nice, tight little four thousand word thing. At, at what point do you do? You, is there a point that you realize that oh, this is a novel, and I don't? Uh, here we go. Or do you go into it be, beginning like this is this big story, this is this big tableau, and this is how I'm going to unroll what I want to say? Is well, I. No, go ahead. Like, is it a, is it a case of a story busting out of its genes? Huh. Yeah, that's that's what the new. I've written two accidental novels, the, <laughs> and the new one. I love uh, the I new like one. that name. Accidental, accidental novels, novel, yeah. yeah. Uh, the new one um, that came out in April, The Immaculate Void. That was that's what happened with that. Um, 
I'm a little over I, halfway through that. It is so good. Thank you. Thank you. But um, I had... Uh, that was originally going to be the uh, the name and closing piece of uh, of the next collections. I contracted with um, um, Brett Brett and Sandra at uh, um, Keezine. Is it? I, yeah, is Keezine, it Keezine Public. Yeah, yeah I, th- I thought Brett, so. Brett uh, Saber. It, it, Brett mm-hmm. Saber. Yeah, yeah, we had Brett on yeah. the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I contracted with them for the next uh, next collection, the fifth collection. Nice. And so I was going to be doing. I was going to be returning to a tactic that I that I used for the first couple of collections, um, Foreign Idols, and before that, the Convulsion Factory. And both of those, uh, uh, those being the first two, it was like I had a backlog of stories to choose from, and a lot of them fell in one of two categories. So, so the first one, the Convulsion Factory, was really themed around decay, particularly urban decay. And um, and then Falling Idols, there were a lot of stories I had that had something to do with uh, religion or gods. Um, so those went in, the, in, in that. And so for both of those, because they were really more thematically unified, what I wanted to do was take a... Um, uh, you know, take the time to, to really dive into uh, a good, long, meaty novella that would be new the new the new material you know rather than s- smaller new pieces have this really meaty anchor piece at the end that would revisit and re-echo a lot of the themes from the foregoing stories um so that's how i ended up with um or, or ended up concluding both of those collections with this new anchor piece and and both of them went the the new pieces went over really really well, um, and in fact the one from the from Falling Idols called As Above So Below that ended up being in the, the Century's Best Horror, uh, representing 1998 I guess it was was when that was was when that came out. So I wanted to return to that tactic for the new one, and um, so I've tended to go through phases a lot, and so the last few years I've been kind of big into a cosmic horror phase and so that was a, there was a lot of that kind of stuff to draw from for the for this new collection and so I started on this um, what I thought might be a 20,000 word novella and then it just kept it kept not ending it kept going on and on and on and uh, so I give them updates and then it had to Seems like I had to to suspend work on it in the middle of it for something else. But um, uh, so finally, I, I I had this the whole collection together, and you've never seen a more lopsided book in your life <laughs> as far as, <laughs> as far as the the constituent pieces. It's it with yeah. ten or eleven stories, hmm. and then this massive, comparatively massive chunk at the end. So sure. uh, the way I the way I refer to it is. Uh, what I what I wasn't ready to admit to myself was that it was a short story collection bolted onto the front of a novel. <laughs> right, and, and it didn't. It so the balance a lot. I, I didn't feel good about it. I, I felt I, I I didn't feel good about it when I turned it in just because of of how how lopsided it felt. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, they finally came back at well, how long is this thing again? Yeah. <laughs> 
it's a, yeah. Oh, it's close to seventy thousand words, and it's a, well, that's a novel. <laughs> right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I I hear that my first book I started as a two thousand word short story and it ended up at one hundred and sixty thousand. <laughs> oh, that's that's. Uh, because I smoke that's, marijuana. That's quite a, a weight gain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember how many words Possum Kingdom is? It's a it's a meaty it's book. A, it's, it's a it's a tome. Yeah, it's it's I think maybe 140 maybe. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Um, and Brett and Cheesing, just top flight. Good good distribution network. The books are nice. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Good. St- they're, they're, they're they they awesome. have a there, there is a. Uh, a, a base out there that follows them mm-hmm. and, and, and is waiting for the next, you know. Yeah, and they're well placed within the HWA. Yeah. So a lot. Yeah. Of what's uh, what? Good. What they decided to do then was split it and split it into two books. So mm. that was, So the Immaculate Void. Uh, the, uh, the cover. There was already a cover um, with that title on it. <laughs> it was already. It was already in the catalogs that way. So. That uh, fortunately, that was uh, that still made a good uh, a good title for the so, so for the novel on its own. And then I found a new uh, I had written a new piece that kind of fell between the cracks of another anthology that went into uh, seemed to go into limbo, but it made a perfect. It wasn't quite didn't perform quite the same role that even a smaller version of. Uh, of the Immaculate Void would have, but it made really a perfect capper for the for the collection as a whole, anyway. And so, each of them uh, got to is getting to stand on its own as its own thing now. So the collection will be out in February. Then what's nice. the what's the name of the collection? Um, I use I borrowed a phrase from that new piece at the end called uh, called skidding into oblivion. Nice, um, nice. So there was a. Uh, a, a phrase that, a fra- it, it, that I extracted out of that, and I, I thought, well, that, that seems like the that seems like a good title for the whole thing. It's a good title. Cool. May I ask you a weird question? Oh, the weirder the better. One <laughs> <laughs> one of your protagonists, Immaculate Void, is search and rescue guy, which is is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm curious. Is that in any way inspired by or related to the search and rescue creepypasta subgenre? Didn't know about that. No, you didn't. Oh. Well, see, there's there's a oh. whole subgenre of search and rescue creepypastas, basic supposedly told by search and rescue people, saying, oh. "Oh, I saw the creepiest, weirdest, you know, <laughs> stuff," and it's frequently cosmic horror type stuff. So I, I will have wonder. to look that Check up. Out, I, yeah. I, I didn't know. I didn't know about it. It just seemed like he. It, it, that just seemed like uh, who he was as I got to got to know the character and and. Um, Oh yeah, he's developing him, um, and, it, and it first started out writing from his, purely from his point of view. Um, so that just seemed to be who he was. And there was a we had a neighbor uh, who was uh, a volunteer on a on a on search and rescue. Um, he, so he ran a, a kind of a local chapter, and then um, one of my um, Krav Maga training partners for a long time. She was she worked under him. Um, also as a volunteer, so um, I had a, a, some insights into that, cool. but it just seemed to be who he was, really. Uh, I was waiting for you to bring up Krav Maga. Can we talk <laughs> about <laughs> Krav Maga? Um, yeah. you, do you still uh, practice? Yeah, I was just there today, just there this morning. Nice. 
doing the, it was, it was a, just purely a conditioning class. Um, the kettlebell bag work, mm-hmm. uh, medicine ball stuff. So yeah, you never know when it's going to be on a Saturday morning. You got to, you got to keep your blade sharp, man. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Do you find, we talk to a lot of people, it seems, that are martial artists. Um, <laughs> do you find that following any given discipline helps with the work? I, I I think being heavily into the physical um, is 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 the main thing. I think I would get the benefits from from the physical side of uh, of working out and all that. Because um, um, you spend so uh, much uh, of your time sitting and writing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You need to have that that balance. Yeah, I love working out, and this was this was one way to do it. I've been into it for about ten years, and so the, through that, I was introduced to a lot of a lot of different, better ways to work out, and um, so it was, uh, you know, it's it's hard to divide one from the other, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. think well, this is the, uh, this this is how much influence comes from just purely the the, the craft part of it, as as opposed to, to, to working out in general. Um, but yeah. I think it instills within you a kind of discipline, um, and, and and you've got another skill set to draw from, or, or at least a couple more skill sets to draw from in what? your in your work. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. like the Maupin thing about I only write when I'm inspired. That inspiration hits me every day at nine a.m. Right. <laughs> I think that's the that's the discipline part. But I also think that you it's. In me, I've noticed the ability to sort of, to sort of see stuff differently and to, to look at people and go, well, what's the... Like, in, in, in some case, is this person a threat? But also, what is this person's motivation? And what, what, what are they trying to accomplish in this interaction we're having while I'm getting sure. coffee at Starbucks? Um, <laughs> your deadly art of Starbucks. So part of, part of your... <laughs> Part of your martial arts training has been to to make you more observant of, of human I beings. I think so. In yeah, general. yeah, yeah, and, and and to be able to think to at the very least break down action to a point that you can see it more clearly, like a like an exploded schematic as right. opposed to right a recipe. Yeah. And speaking to what Brian was talking about, like you know, so many of us have like all this stuff, right? It's like, you know, oh, you know, I train and I, I, I paint or I write or I'm a musician and, um, if, you know, all these different things and, and if you think about it the wrong way, it can become overwhelming and then you get, you get paralyzed and you do nothing or you think of them all as legs on the same table yeah, they're same. And, yeah. and it's all mm-hmm. part of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely fall in that ladder camp. Yeah. Um, writers inherently, uh, I think are drunk. No, <laughs> no, that's not. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Work in a vacuum. I mean, uh, we, we've talked about it here on the show before about how an artist can paint a picture and show it to someone, get an immediate response. Right. A, a, a musician, same thing. But, you know, you write a hundred thousand word novel, you hand it to someone, and maybe in two months you hear back, get a little vague thumbs up on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was great. Yeah, nice yeah. job. Good. Um, <laughs> I, I have a tough time with that because, you know, the the the, the ego must be fed. But <laughs> um, the idea that that is part of the gig became apparent to me at some point. And you go, you 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 hear about it, but I think 
later, but you you hear about it in ways that your work affected someone more than those previous mm-hmm. two things. The, sure the, the hook sinks deeper, I think, because they've spent time in your head. Do, yeah. do, do you agree? <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I, I know what you're talking about, but I got used to that really early. It was almost like uh, uh, release day of something was a bit of a letdown. Right. And, and so you just can't because the sky doesn't open up it's a, it's just another day and um so i i started i guess focusing on more rewards of the process of the, of the work itself and and often by the time something uh something comes out it's it, it's been in the can long enough that it doesn't seem there's already a faded connection to it um because I'm more excited about the the new stuff, the new right. thing, the, right. the, the the next horizon, and um, and so the yeah, just part of the the, the process gets it gets the kind of the lion's share of the reward now, mm-hmm. or delivers it delivers it, I guess. Right, 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 right. Now I find it's it's the cool part is being able to do all the obfuscation. Knowing what you have to do, knowing the levers you have to pull, but hiding it in a way that the reader, <laughs> the reader can't see you, you know, working. It's like when we I, we talked about. I was watching Penny Dreadful, and you could wa- I'm watching it and seeing them introduce characters and right. seeing them yeah. put pieces out on the table, and you're kind of like, you're, you're man, like, I oh, wish and here's the part where this yeah, happens. I wish you would have hid that a little better. Yeah. I think that is for me these days. That's the art form. In, in hiding, figuring out how to drape the curtain. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I always for things like that. I try to any kind of int- element like that that's going to be pivotal. I try to introduce it in a more mundane way. I, I, I can. What I th- how have I, I've always thought of it is is uh, this thing does double duty. It's it's got this immediate factor now, but then it becomes relevant later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I try to. I try to at least hide it that way, and um, then hope for the best. Hope it's not too too obvious at the time that it that it's introduced. And a lot of times, I don't know that it is going to be influential. Um, somebody was asking me uh, in, a, in a recent interview um, um, with a guy named Mark. Mark was asking me about. Uh, he went back to the to the novel, The Darker Saints, and. Um, I, it, 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 it's almost like a throwaway gag in the novel, but uh, the the character is interrogating the main character is interrogating somebody that he needs quick answers from, but you don't want to turn him into a torturer. Hmm. And the guy he's interrogating isn't doesn't deserve it either because he's just this weasel who's in a situation and, and he's in over his head. But he's not a bad guy. He's just a, a kind of a prick and. <laughs> And but he's not he's not a bad guy. And so well, how do you how do you get it? How is I so really the the problem was how do I get him talking without without turning the main character without turning Justin into a monster? And um, well, okay. In but at the beginning of the book here in the here in the loft, he and his uh, he and his wife have uh, have this cat that's in heat, 
okay, what if I took the cat and draped it over the guy's face? <laughs> and so, so that's what he was asking about. He was, uh, Mark was kind of fascinated with this scene. He said, why, why did you do that? <laughs> I said, well, I, really, I was solving a, a tonal problem. Um, I, it just because I was reading a lot of uh, whacked out crime novels at the time. And so a little, a bit, a little of that flavor seeped in. Um, as I just play it for twisted laughs and uh, and that's how it works. So yeah, the, so the cat was already already around before I ever knew that she was going to um, play uh, play a fa- play a role like that. So you mentioned whacked out crime novels. Oh is yeah, that is that where Wild Horses and World of Hurt come from? Um, well, World uh, World of Hurt was a horror novel. Right, sorry, Wild yeah. Horses, Mad Dogs. Mad Dogs. Mad Dogs was the other one, yeah. Sitting right there on my shelf. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. It was, uh, in, in part, yeah. Um, but it was... Wild Horses was... Uh, it was something that was... It was the right thing to to do at the, at the, at the right time because that was after the Del Abyss novels. And each of those novels got... And I, by design, really, and, and just uh, with uh, as much as I was wanting to to go deeper in each one and you know, deeper and darker, they they did get progressively darker. But at the time, um, my approach to them was I, I I didn't really make the connection until a lot later. But it was like uh, method acting, mm. and. So I didn't know how to do things like that other than really living them on the inside for the duration. Um, and the way I phrased it recently was that experiencing the character's trauma as if it were my own. And that's that's really no way to live. Um, right. So I, yeah, I didn't know how to do those novels other than other than write them and, and live that way. And um, and so the recovery period got. Um, longer each time and I got harder to, to be with uh, for Dolly at, uh, at at times like that and um, so I don't know if you if you've read Prototype but that was about as dark as it comes yeah and um, I even got a great uh, for a re-release I even got a, a great great blurb from Edward Lee Ed Lee saying that the um, I had all kinds of superlatives to say about it. Was that he was too scared for his own psyche to read it again? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's the man. So after that, I um, I was I was thinking that I I had to do something. I had I had to go in a completely different direction. I I, I was thinking that if I kept going like that, I could envision a novel that I wouldn't be around to finish sure you know uh, um it's the hunter thompson i writer idea the hemingway idea what right you it's think? like would, you know, in you order know. to get there i'm gonna be and like the you know in order to get the old cliche place. about staring into the abyss you know yeah. it's true and and you can get dragged down i think the difference between um people who make it and people who don't is the people who don't they don't step away from the abyss, mm-hmm. and, and then it becomes too late. Yeah, yeah. My my fear um, was that if I kept going that way, the next novel 
would have either been a self-parody or I would self-destruct. So pick your poison. Um, so I just decided to go laterally towards something else. And uh, um, I, uh, I had done um, a, a novelette that, uh, that Wild Horses grew out of. And um, I had um, so right after we finished, right after I finished that and, and, and turned it in, um, I went on a on a road trip with uh, with some friends, including um, uh, you probably know her, Elizabeth, Beth Massey, Elizabeth Massey. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. she's coming and on the show. So, yeah, she's oh, coming. Oh okay, up. yeah. Yeah. So um, so uh, she, at the time she um, where she she lived in the countryside in Virginia, she would have uh, a bunch of us over for. Um, for a few days for like a, a very long maybe four day weekend called that we called Pseudocon <laughs> and after that then, so Dolly and I would go to it and then so after that uh, th- that particular year she uh, she and Dolly and I uh, then went uh, joined uh, a couple who uh, who went to that and were moving from um, moving from the east coast to the west coast so we went on a cross country trip and, uh, one of the one of the ones who was moving, uh, Amy Amy Wasp uh, Wimberger, Amy Wasp now is uh, um, she read this shorter version of uh, of Wild Horses is under a different title, and um, she thought that it could kept go- it, it, the story could have kept going. She read it in transit, and um, so there that was when she that was when uh, the idea got put in my head that well this could be. This could be a this could be a novel unto itself too, because um, just experiencing the, on the on the road trip these uh, these uh, southwestern locations and uh, so that was good flavor at the at the right time too. So I uh, after we got back from that trip, I I then I then started that novel, mm. uh, and it just really it, it's like it cleaned me out inside it was uh it was such a healing thing to do because they were such fun characters to work with um and it i don't think i've ever had a a, a group of characters that took over uh, a novel any any more than these than this uh main six characters did like i thought of it as the like the good the bad and the ugly except instead of rugged individuals Fighting each other across the country, it was it was three couples with very different dynamics, mm-hmm. and um, so it was the right thing to do at the right time, and um, it, uh, it it saved my life in a lot of ways. When did when, the, uh, music uh, come into it? Like, when did you start picking up instruments and writing your own music? Um. Well, I started as a synth. Started getting into synths when I was in college, and, and keyboards. And um, I was uh, I was a band geek in in junior in, uh, in grade school. Well, starting in grade school as a band geek, and um, got interested in keyboards. Then took piano lessons when I was in grade school, and then went back to them in college. And um, then started buying really cheap gear that I could get my hands on, and. And um, but it wasn't recording anything. Um, just noodling. App- just noodling. Um, yeah, and uh, just experimenting with synths and seeing the sounds that I could come up with or out and outboard outboard effects. And so it was. It was when when Wild Horses sold by auction, and mm-hmm. I had uh, 
I had a good uh, good chunk of income all at once, and so I thought, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. start getting some stuff. Uh, so I uh, had sold some uh, some keyboards and had room to uh, to add some new stuff. So I got um, uh, the piano and synthesizer uh, from Roland, and then added, then just started really building the studio from from that point on. Um, First recording deck was a Roland VS eight forty EX, which was uh, um, it recorded to zip disks. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. Uh, so, yeah. the, so that was the, the the thing that you found uh, that was that uh, that that first disc that was the the bonus material on the, on the yeah. Lies and Venus collection. Yeah, that was that was stuff that was recorded on that zip disk recorder. Yeah, uh, cool. so it was uh, cool. It was. Well, it, you could tell you 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 you. Would, it's very lustmorty in places. Very yeah. dark. Um, the last ex. I really liked ex utero. Mm. Yeah, I, that needs lyrics. That has lyrics actually. Oh wow! <laughs> it has. Uh, it, it's the. It's the, a song. Is kind of like this uh, epic. And somebody described uh, just hearing that the instrumental stuff. It, it sounded like what would happen if Skinny Puppy ate Vangelis. <laughs> and, uh, but it has it has lyrics that are from the point of view of a of a of a clone who's been bred to be an organ donor for for his original. Um, oh wow! So I, I've never. Well, I'd I'd want to re-record it. Uh, I would want to re-record this stuff now because I, like I was telling you on the, on the private message, my production skills are so much better now that and it's become very apparent uh, because I um. As far as doing where, where the projects really cross pollinate each other, it was a few years ago when I did um, wrote uh, "Whom the Gods Would Destroy," and I was I, I, I my usual writing music is stuff like Steve Roach or or Lost Mord, um, either ambient or really deep ambient like Steve Roach does, or or very dark ambient stuff. So that's my usual background stuff but what um, what I did with that one it was a it was a bit atypical so I started listening to a lot of space music because mm. it had had um, you know a strong space element to that and so I started relating to it sonically a little different a little deeper so I got to thinking well what if I what if I did a like a, a fifteen or twenty minute EP of of just musical impressions that grew out of it? So I started working on that concurrently as well, and then it grew into a ten track uh, a ten track soundtrack. Um, so I uh, just made that available for free. It was close to forty minutes. I think it was about thirty eight minutes total, but. I recently, or a while back, I got the uh, got the rights back to that when the the publisher Darkviews went out of when he closed up shop basically. So I got the rights back to it, and so I'm planning on uh, because it's already paid that and everything else that I got back from the rights there. I it's already like it's paid for its keep, so it'll be an easy thing to experiment with that uh, as far as self publishing it. So I wanted to make the Kind of give the the soundtrack a refresher. So I've remixed and remastered everything. I just remastered uh, another track today, and really comparing the version of four years ago with now, it's the same performances and everything. It's just run through much better uh, signal chains and processing, 
and it's just a night and day difference um, in, in, in a lot of cases because I can do things where I'm loading up. Uh, there are different plugins that let you do this now. I, mean, I use Logic Pro on an on a, on a Apple Mac Pro. And you can, on the master bus or on the master output, you can load in a pl plugin that lets you load in some um, reference tracks. So you can AB, and it makes it really easy to AB compare your stuff with uh, uh, professional releases that maybe you want to get in the ballpark. And then, so finally, I'm, I'm really approximating the, the sound of that, um, the, of, of that quality. And, uh, and volume and frequency response and so yeah it's been a slow education but um, but fun but I, I can tell yeah fun I can tell that I'm, I'm doing uh, doing doing much better work than I used to um, it sounds better and I got um, a while back uh, was part of a I was on doing some, doing a couple of um, original soundtrack pieces for a Soundtrack for an, uh, uh, for a game. Um, it was a part of a Kickstarter project for uh, that's uh, a guy named C.A. Solomon put together uh, called the Lost Citadel. Um, so several several months ago, that went into a Kickstarter project and made all its made all its milestones. So nice. At, um, so I'm doing a couple of soundtrack pieces for that and doing an original novel for it. But you know, it's like everything went on hold. Um, has been on hold since spring. You know, I uh, lost both my parents in April, which you which you know. Right. And Sorry. that's that. Thank you. That's that's been. Um, honestly, I I haven't written a, written a, a word of fic of new fiction since since the day before my mom died. It's it's hard. It's uh, we we not too long ago we did a show talking about well we were talking about films that dealt with loss, but it was all born out of. We're all, you know, we're people of a certain age, and you know, these things start to happen, and it, and it really does. It, it sets your life kind of on its head because mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's a it, it's a different paradigm now. Um, that that you know that person isn't here anymore, yeah. and it really mm -hmm. it it takes it, it, I. Yeah, that's yeah, it takes time. The after my first book, my mom passed, and it took four, uh, or five years yeah. for of me not being able to write a word until yeah. uh, my first and second collection are the stories that I wrote, trying to find my way back. Yeah, so mm -hmm. you know it's profound. While I'm ago, sorry that for that. Yeah, Brian. Brian a while ago you yeah. were talking. You 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 mentioned. Um, uh, rights and securing rights uh, to to a story that you, that you had done earlier. I was mm -hmm. wondering, have has anybody ever bought um, uh, uh, or optioned any of your pieces for film? Uh, yeah, I've had uh, I've had I've had some different options and some queries that um, that uh, that. Seem to go for well. I well put it this way: I have found that nobody will waste your time the way people in film will waste your time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's so true. Well, since no, um, so the, yeah, there's a there, there's a book out there that I read uh, oh probably about ten years ago. It, uh, it was the the, the best uh, the best sci-fi movies never made, and so it was. It covered these these uh, these legendary scripts, and by the time the book came out. Um, 
some of them had been made, like Avatar at the time uh, was was in production at least, and so some of them did get made. But at the at the time of the the, the book, most of them really weren't uh, weren't going anywhere. But you could tell from scenario to scenario, different some of the same people appeared in multiple chapters, drifting through different projects, and they had different. Um, they had different behavior. You, you would notice the same behavioral pattern in each in each time that they showed up in these different projects. And with with James Cameron, it was I've lost interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So yeah, you find people like that that will talk a talk a good game. They're 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 just full of all kinds of enthusiasm, and then you never hear from them again. Yeah. Um, and it might go on for weeks or months that way, but. Um, but yeah, that uh, I was able to uh, a few weeks ago finally finally announce something that had been in the works for behind the scenes for uh, for about a year and a half. Um, uh, it's uh, it was a, a novelette that I did called "The Same Deep Waters as You." It was for the the third and final volume in the trilogy of, of anthologies that uh, British editor. Stephen Jones did uh, on Lovecraft's Innsmouth, so it was, um, you know, it was uh, what it was weird, uh, weird shadows over Innsmouth, weirder shadows. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's two of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, well, why well, was I, I was in the final one, the the, so the 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 third one that he that he did? It was over about a period of about twenty years that he that he did those, and so um, I did this piece that. Uh, that uh, then ended up getting published and republished about four times within about a year. And these guys in uh, in England saw it, this UK production company called Three River. And when they got in touch, I knew, I was already at least visually familiar with them because at, at, at that time, and even then, it wasn't new. It was like something that somebody had discovered from a couple of years before, I guess, that... It was uh, a teaser trailer that it was a, it, that went about two minutes long that showed a lot of really cool footage of uh, it was primarily um, genuine vintage World War One footage in which the, were integrated all kinds of HG uh, Wells type uh, Dude, type machines. The, that that I know exactly what you're talking about, and that is one yeah. of the coolest things I have ever seen. Is like yeah. Yeah, Martian so tripods running yeah. around in the trenches. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's uh, from a, it's actually a, a documentary style film called that they did for British television. That's it's a full length movie. It's like it's called, like called the Great War or something. The Great, like that. The Great Martian War. Yeah, there you go. So these guys, uh, these guys have optioned uh, one of that Lovecraft story. Oh, nice! nice. Cool. Very for, cool. Uh, for development as a TV series. Um, That's exciting. So yeah, it, the, the negotiations went for about a year and a half. Their, their negotiator was really slow. Uh, he, he would go AWOL for weeks at a time. Because <laughs> that's what you look for in a negotiator. <laughs> apparently, he. I don't know. Maybe this is normal for him, but it was really stressing my reps out, sure. and they would. Uh, they were kind of ready to. To think, ah, oh, I don't think we're ever going to hear from these guys again. But the guy at the production company, and so if he was their negotiator, was not an in-house guy. It was like from an external management company or something. So every now and then, I just uh, so I would insert myself into this. You're supposed to kind of stay out of it, but 
I thought, well, no, I, I, I want to keep this thing alive. So I tried to figure out as, as, as diplomatic a route to, to nudge people as they could because sometimes you have to, you have to manage the managers. Mm-hmm. And so I would find out, well, where we were, when's the last time you heard from them? Okay, well, let me get back with the production company. Okay, hey, I think it's, uh, I think it might be time to give Hugh another nudge. And, right. and so that's how it got, that's how it happened. That's how it got, uh, it kept, it kept alive the whole time was, was mainly, um, um, you know, making sure that, uh, that this guy, I don't know why, I don't know why he would, he would go weeks without responding to the, like the, the most minuscule counter offer. <laughs> but all the, you know, when, when options come, they can either be long form or short form. And then with short form, it's about a, just a page that just says, okay, well, we have the right to do this. And all the, all the, all the later terms will be negotiated in good faith. And so this was long form. So every eventuality has to be negotiated up front. Hmm. Takes a lot longer. Right. Um, right. At the time that I, I, I really early in the process, I was reading David Morell's um, nonfiction book. It was I don't remember what it was called, but he mentioned something early on in his career about a some film option or film rights thing that took about eighteen months to negotiate. And I thought, oh, I hope that isn't me. I hope that <laughs> it was me. It was me. Oh, what are you working on now? Um, well, like I said, it's uh, it's not um, things just kind of went on hold. I've I've got a, a a big chunk of a novel that was done under that Kickstarter campaign, and mm-hmm. um, you know I was redoing. Uh, see, the thing is that I I am the executor of my parents' account, uh, estate, and that's there were a lot of normal things to do, and there were a lot of messes to clean up. So. Um, after I came back out from the third trip, w- it was about a, a six-week period there where everything just went to hell in the spring because we put my dad had to put my dad into a memory care unit. So I came back from that, and then he died suddenly of a stroke on his, in, in his seventeenth day there. Um, then so drop everything and go back. And I'm driving. These are thousand-mile trips each way. Yeah. So I'm from Colorado, from here in Colorado. So got that taken care of. Um, came back. My, my mom uh, got really sick while I was there, and so got her hospitalized and stabilized and discharged and into a um, a kind of a recovery center. And she died there um, unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. And so drop everything, go back again. Uh, so. It was you know, about seven thousand miles of um, of behind the wheel travel in six weeks and all that and keeping keeping track of everything uh, that needed to be done. Doing it, it was like triage. I found out in the middle of April that they hadn't filed a tax return for 2017, mm-hmm. so got with an accountant to file uh, file for that, uh, file an extension for that. So. Yeah, by the time that I came back in May, I was um, really in need of a break, just uh, sure, sure. just to decompress for a while, and then. Um, but after that, um, 
there's all this stuff as executor that needs doing. So right. um, probably about a week from tomorrow, I'm going to have to head back there again. And um, with, with my mom, it was so much bureaucracy that you were just like just buried under it. Yeah. You're like, why? No. I don't get. Why do I? Why are you busting my hump over who got the canary copy, please? Can right. I yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. file this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry about that. Um, well, yeah, it's uh, what that's that's the situation, and that's what you're. I feel obligated to do. Um, right. I'm interested. Do we have a favorite, um, for lack of a better word, thing in Brian's uh, catalog? And I, 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 a, yeah, a piece or even an image. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I think you and I share the same one. Um, go ahead. Well, you're talking about the scene in uh, the dripping of sundered wineskins. Yes, the 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 crucifix, <laughs> dude. The, the I I've told that to so many people. Oh my god! Over the years, is you just have, you just have to read this. Yeah, it's just amazing. It's amazing. Uh, I've I've heard people. Yeah, I've seen that referred to that uh, people like that. Yeah, look at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is there a website that people can go to keep track of all things Brian Hodge? Uh, yeah, Brian Hodge, www.brianhodge.net. Um, I, that's another thing that's fallen by the wayside since, since last, uh, November or last fall, really, when, uh, when my parents, uh, when I went over there and, uh, they mm -hmm. signed power of attorney over to me, um, because they recognized the need. And so, yeah, I've, uh, I, it's really, really out of date. Um, I need to, that's another thing that's, that's on the list. That uh, seems the, to be a common, triage list. a common theme with, uh, with, uh, creative folks that we talk to. Their website? The website always, <laughs> always needs <laughs> For different reasons, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, dude, yeah. we, I was just going to say, um, Tom and I haven't had a chance to check out the new book yet, but Laura, like you're in the middle mm -hmm. of it, and and people should buy this thing. Oh, yeah. absolutely! It's so good. It's it's this amazing combination of very visceral earthbound horror, and and I'm just the cosmic horror is just starting to crack open at this point in the book, and it's mm. really good. Thank you. Right on. Um, but again, we we love your work clearly, and you're invited back any any time you'd like. Uh, uh, to, to come on. Um, thanks again for doing this. We're going to go ahead sure. and take a break for just a second. Okay, so we're back. Awesome. Always. Always yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, thanks again to Brian Hodge for coming on. Absolutely. Uh, again, he was someone who I remember uh, uh, him being very, very, one of the first people to be very, very nice with the whole Carpenter thing sure. back in the day. 
Cool. Him and Caitlin Kiernan. Oh, Super yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, moving on to second hour stuff. Bunch of people dying. Um, first up, David Van Cam. People don't know him by that name. They know him by the name Evil Dave Letterman. He was a whack packer on David on um, Howard Stern. Uh huh. Wherein he would call, and he was he could sound exactly like David Letterman, <laughs> and he would call and say really fucked up, really shit. fucked up <laughs> things. Because it's Howard Stern. Um, Stan Makita, hockey player, um, uh, of the Makitas uh, from Wayne's World. Remember the donut shop they go to? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a famous, like, Bobby Hall. He's, like, one yeah, of those yeah. kind of names. Oh. Uh, Robert Dix, he was an actor in Forbidden Planet. Oh. <laughs> Barney Chuckle. First of all, his name's Barney Chuckle. Barney Chuckle. British TV entertainer. Had a show called Chuckle Time or some shit. I think... Two I of think them, right? Chuckle Brothers. What's their... Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Chuckle Brothers. Oh, please <laughs> make that be true. <laughs> the Chuckle Brothers. That's my new phrase <laughs> instead of like... Hey, listen clip. up. Hey, Chuckle Brothers. Hey. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here with the Chuckle Brothers. Uh, John Blair Moore, comic artist um, for Darkwing Duck. Oh, oh wow. Um, which, God, can we get that? Like... On the big screen. Darkwing Duck was cool. Darkwing Duck was way cool. Yeah. Um, Brian Danovich, wrestler. He he was also on WWE's Tough Enough. Go fit. Yeah. He died in his 40s of a heart thing. Uh, it seems like every week, it's like, another, it's another wrestler. It's another wrestler. It is the Chuckle Brothers. It is. It is the uh. Chuckle Brothers. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, John Glines, producer of Torch Song Trilogy. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, Richard Klein died, cinematographer from of uh, Camelot. Star Trek the Motion Picture and uh De Laurentiis's King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> so there's your King Kong reference. Well, I, for the you show. know, and I was gonna ask Brian, is you know, Brian, you know, this ties into what we're talking about perfectly. What do you think about King Kong? <laughs> 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 um, and then finally, um Charlotte Ray. From actress from Facts of Life. It's weird, you know. When actually, by the time that our the last show came out, she had passed away. But when we were recording the show, she had not. And we were talking about a Facts of Life uh, reboot. Uh, reboot, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, yeah, it's weird. Mrs. But Garrett is gone. Yeah, yeah. I know. She's somebody said that the reboot that, was that us. I don't even remember now. Talking about <laughs> we <said> Joe, <laughs> no Joe coming okay. coming back as. The old lady character, oh. or one of the other, or like Blair coming back as the old sure. lady character and leading a new generation of entitled white girls. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Trudy, but would would have yeah, yeah, Trudy would have been great. Yeah, uh, Trudy, 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 If you look at Charlotte Ray's IMDb though, and the stuff she'd been in way before oh, Facts of Life, yeah, is, it's just movie helper. Yeah, like she, left and right. She was always she was ubiquitous. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, moving on to news. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner wants to play a Marvel villain because what else has she got to do? I don't and she's know. the only one that's actually killed someone. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I'm so tired of hearing like actors who who can't get work talking about how they want to be. I want to be this. Comic yeah, book I'll be character. this person. There's a whole universe there for us to. Mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, Ruby Rose, uh, the uh, actor, was cast as the CW's Batwoman, and 
immediately faced a shitty backlash and quit Twitter because people why? suck. Because they were yelling at her about why why are you cast? You're terrible. Blah, blah, blah. She's cool. There was all this other stuff tied into it with the fact that Batwoman is is scheduled to be an openly gay character and you know, people are just shitty, and the only yeah, thing that are. makes people shittier is the internet. Yeah. Mm. So that's too bad. But she was on um, Jimmy Fallon talking about about um, what it meant to her to be Batwoman, mm-hmm. and it was genuine. Yeah. So you She's know, cool. fuck like the internet. Yeah. Uh, Guy pierces and talks to replace Michael Sheen in Vin Diesel's Bloodshot. I know that makes no sense. Ah, uh, okay. Vin Diesel making, uh, Im- I think it's Image Comics Bloodshot. Um, some imagined Riddick in another world. Did you know that you, I- if you look hard enough, you can find Vin Diesel's breakdancing video? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where he awesome. teaches you how to breakdance? Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Yeah, that's great. But Guy Pierce, who's kind of, you know, your utilitarian guy, like Michael Sheen. Right. You know, you got a role that you don't want a big star for, but you want him to go, oh, that guy. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, Universal, we talked a while ago about Universal picking up Chris Pratt's Cowboy Ninja Viking. Right. Well, they just <laughs> dropped it. Yeah, they, did they drop it or did they push it back? No, they dropped they it. They dropped it. Yeah. Dropped it. And man. that's too bad. Um, the Ranger is in limited release, uh, produced by Heather Buckley. Heather Buckley. Yeah. And uh, from all accounts, it's very cool. I'm yeah. dying to see that. Super 80s, you know, grindhouse kind of look and. Heather, I talked to Heather. Heather's coming on the show. All right. Um, I'm hoping we can make that work because that would be awesome. I just want to hear about what she's up to. Yeah. Um, so it turns out we talked last week, I think, about the Showtime's Halo series. Right. Uh, Master Chief is the main person. So that's good in that it's going to adhere to... Yeah. Well, who else would it be? Right. I mean, <laughs> well, I could see them running with just a generic Cortana and some other guy. Right. But, yeah, it's... That's good to know. Um, they we talked a couple of weeks ago about Johnny Depp in a movie called City of Lies. It was the notorious B.I.G. thing. Right. They just pulled it from release. Because, really? Because Depp has been dragged into yeah, le- he's court left and right. Yeah, he's he's had a lot of issues lately. So okay, so he's kind of kind of getting the Kevin Spacey treatment. It, it I, seems like, but you're gonna you're gonna shit can an entire film that has well, been like we've seen trailers and it's mm-hmm. like you know people have been excited people about it. Worked on that thing, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they did. You know? Well, but they, you know, the argument will be people also got paid. Yeah, and 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 and, and while if they if they pull it into. It won't pull it indefinitely. It'll pop It'll up. Find its way yeah. Out. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That but boy is not looking healthy. No, he's not. It just is. Hunter yeah. S. Thompson died for a reason, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, know, you just can't live like at that pace. And and Johnny Depp is inspired by that guy. So mm-hmm. I hope yeah. I hope something changes. So uh this is kind of a dream come true for you, Lionly. Um Marvel is planning a ten year anniversary film festival in select theaters. August 30th through September 6th, they're re-releasing all 20 MCU movies in IMAX, (laughs) including films not originally released in IMAX. So 20 movies that that you go to... That play consecutively. 
Probably they'll play once, maybe twice. Yeah, you know, in the, or in the span of those days, yeah. you know, however many. Yeah, years. I'll be right there, Tom. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, I mean, for people who are fans of that shit, it's nice to be able to go see. I think I think one of the earliest. Early Didn't they do that? Just like when, like leading up to. Yeah. Uh, Black Panther. Yeah, but I think no, this no, the, now. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, Infinity War. Yeah. But this, I think, is 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 now in IMAX. <laughs> wow! So, so you can get get your neck to hurt. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> we're flying through this stuff. Glenn Danzig is writing, directing, and scoring a erotic <laughs> anthology film. Okay, that could be cool. I'm going to bet that all of the stories are by Glenn Danzig. <laughs> which is a shame because you know they erotic did have. Some interesting yeah, things. Yeah, they had some cool stuff. Um, the Hart Fisher thing, when we talked about Hart's, right. Hart's uh, what is it, Cherry something. I can't remember. But yeah, it, there's there's a lot of stuff there. Well, who knows? Maybe not. Maybe he'll, you know. Right. Maybe. Uh, uh, what? He's not starring in any of them? <laughs> no. He'll be wrap around. At this point, prop him up like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> And call it a day. That <laughs> guy. Um, so Leon Marcello, there's your boy. He's, gonna, he's, he's an auteur now. Uh, you asked for it. You got it. Rapid Granny's Rainshore, aka Rapid Granny's Two. It's happening. Oh. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I. There's something about Rabid Grannies that is really great. I love Rabid Grannies. It's great for that late night shitty, like, we're all drunk and let's put on something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's funny. Yeah. And it's... It's a horror comedy that's funny. Yeah. Um, Do you remember the old lady in Legion? Like, the best yeah. part of that movie? Yeah. She was the coolest... When she was about the pregnant waitress yeah, and yeah, she's yeah, all yeah, talking... She's Kind of yeah, yeah. Or, or the old lady, uh, Vivica Lanford, Lanford in um, in uh, Exorcist Three as the old lady that oh, crawls yeah. across the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was really creepy. Well, so did this lady in Legion. She wound yeah. up crawling. Yeah, across that the was very ceiling. much yeah. inspired by yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, scary old people. Yeah. <laughs> well, Let's I, do that show. Yeah. Old people and little kids, creepy. I knew a guy. <laughs> he had written a script, and and the script was about a bunch of people who they're a bunch of kids. They're on their way someplace, and they but they have to stop because they have to drop something off at this guy's grandparents at this old folks' home where the, they live, and inadvertently these young people get locked inside. And the old people come haunt the hallways. It was called Rest Home. (laughs) 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 And I was like, I'd kind of watch this. It's stupid, but I'd watch it. You know, we often bemoan the lack of, like, really good um, uh, movies Mm. and and things, you know. Um, I I saw a trailer the other day. It's not on our list of trailers. Mm. And I I don't even remember the name of this thing. Um, But the tagline is, No Member Left Behind. (laughs) And... (laughs) <laughs> about so for people who think that that people aren't making quality films out there anymore, <laughs> there is a, a Netflix uh, a Netflix thing, and I don't know if it's a series or a movie where a guy accidentally cuts off his penis, and then there's the mad races on to try to get his penis and him to the hospital so they could be reunited. Wow! And uh, chew peaches and herb. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they wind up putting the penis on the wrong guy. Apparently, there's a rat. That happens uh, a lot, yeah. I guess. In Japan. 
that wow. the penis gets bit by a snake. And it's like, a series? <laughs> I, d- dude, I don't know what it yeah. is, but it's ridiculous. They have to suck the venom out of the penis. And, yeah. <laughs> That's the old joke. You're going to die. Yeah, you're going to die, Kimosabi. Uh, Henry Rollins was on both Joe Rogan Experience and Joe Diaz's uh, The Church of What's Happening Now. So yeah. about five and a half hours of Henry Rollins. Yeah, awesome. On, go to YouTube. Awesome, awesome. Um, he's on a he's on a tour right now. Um, for lack of a better word, he's doing what, what's, what's the word? A travel. Yeah, he's doing the slideshow. Yeah, slideshow. Like yeah, he's show like you know you've heard me talk about me going to all these places all these years. Is that what this Showtime thing is? Is him doing the slideshow or is it this him doing spoken word and I, slash stand up? I don't know. I no, that's something. I think that's. That's more like stand-up. Yeah. Uh, Lorelai and I are going to see him in October to see this slideshow. Thing. Oh, that's very yeah, cool. And so I'm really looking forward I to that. I posted on Facebook, uh, go to my Facebook feed, there's um, a weird promo video they did, him, and, him Rogan, and Rogan, where they hug, and it's <laughs> the weirdest <laughs> moment. And you know what it pointed out to me? Rogan's really short. He's really Because guy. Rollins... Is short. short. He's like, yeah, he's And really Rogan tall. looks like his little brother. Yeah. <laughs> his little brother who found steroids. Yeah, kind of weird. But I haven't listened to the interviews, but, you know, I'm sure they're going to oh, be great. Yeah, it's always a good time. Um, st- remember Star Trek Four? I don't know if Star Trek Four te- I do not technically Trek is the Tarantino Star Trek or what, but they're sort of rocketing along with this new universe, right? This J.J. Abrams inspired Star right, Trek thing. Right, 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 right. Well, Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth both dropped out of Star Trek for it. <gasps> wow. So there goes that. When you lose Captain Kirk and you're doing that, you're yeah. done. You're, you're kind of done. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, I don't think they should have gone there in the first place. I think the last thing was they, they got the Fast and Furious guy, Jason Lynn. Yeah. And, and now suddenly, you know, Kirk is whipping through alien um, landscapes on a on a cafe racer <laughs> you know on a motorcycle yeah. and it's just none of it makes sense and it it's all it's silly fast and furious it's all silly I loved the, the first one of those mm-hmm. I thought it, I loved the tone I loved everything about it and yeah. the other two just just know <laughs> yeah yeah I just don't know why we need to say also I just uh, uh, posted today um they they announced that Nichelle Nichols has been diagnosed with dementia. Oh, oh. that sucks, and that really sucks. Yeah, she she is so cool. cool. Um, yeah, the only Fast and Furious movie that I'm interested in is the old what 1960s movie, right? <laughs> yeah. And then finally, um, they announced that they may release a cut of Venom as PG-13. Dumb. Oh, yeah. no, don't do that. Yeah, why are you doing that? Right, yeah. The only thing that makes this interesting is that it's going to be R. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you're certainly, everything you're showing on the commercials seems to give a lot of it away. Yeah. Do you know there's a whole cadre of people who want to fuck Venom? Sure. Mm. Sure. Oh, of course there is. <laughs> sure they do. Yeah. That's like your answer to the f- um, sleeping with the monster. Oh, I was just going to say, I'd, I'd, I'd take Carnage. <laughs> before, before yeah. there's more. There's more going on there. <laughs> there's more appendages and things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Moving on to trailers. Uh, first up, any bullet will do. Low bro- low budget brother hunts brother kind of thing. Look for Bruce Davison. Yeah. From, um, Willard and Meg Foster. Meg Foster. Frightening. Uh, um, 
uh, I have a, uh, an incredible soft spot for movies like this, and there seems to be it, it's almost like a a little subgenre of like low budget period pieces, and it's like you know it, which seems like a bad idea, right? Because it's hard to get the costumes, it's hard to get. But then again, too, um, these there's been big movies made of uh, uh, with this subject matter. So you go and you mine those prop houses, and you you know, and mm -hmm. this I think this looks really cool. It reminded me a little of the proposition, uh, and yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, through a uh, uh, at least uh, uh, as far as the backdrop goes, a, a Jeremiah Johnson backdrop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, especially yeah. if it comes on something like Netflix. Sure. Mm -hmm. Up na after that, uh, Bel Canto, Ken Watanabe, Julianne Moore, opera star caught in a terrorist act. Who? Uh, <laughs> that was a that was a big book, and mm -hmm. I can't remember who wrote it. Uh, I don't know. It was a it was a big best selling book, and uh, I I don't know if this is based on this or not. But I, when when I was watching the trailer, I'm like, do you remember like in Russia or? It said it was based on a true story. Croatia, right? one of those places. Wow. Uh, a bunch of terrorists like took this theater hostage and and kept all these people hostage in the theater. What I find interesting about this, and and I can't tell whether this is, I, it looks like maybe it's Basque mm -hmm. uh, nationals. I I don't know. But anyway, uh, what I what I liked about it is we get the idea from the trailer that both the hostages and the people taking them hostage kind of become prisoners at, at, at some point and, and they are trying to figure out a way to show the people on the outside um, a, a way to get over their differences really right. and, and, they're, and they're using this character, this opera singer's voice and mm -hmm. it looks great I yeah, cool. Ken Watanabe, even in shitty movies like that Godzilla yeah. thing yeah. he's still solid yeah. and, and uh, Julianne Moore, she's always, great. always solid yeah. looks a little Oscar baby yeah, but okay. I'm hey, good. you know, they maybe they they could go for the popular, yeah, the new oh, the, popular the new Oscar. One, yeah, people are so mad. About I'm that. so fucking pissed. Yeah, it's, it it's just seems ridiculous. Yeah, it's like it just seems very MTV movie. Awards. It's like we, it, remember that last shred of legitimacy yeah. of, of like you know integrity that you had. Uh, Bye. Yeah, floats <laughs> away. Uh, let's see. Low budget movie Boogeyman Pop looks like plague where kids are dying, but and I, then the aftermath. Yeah, and and then it gets all like it gets monstery at one point. Yeah, it, it basically looks like somebody's like, "Hey, man, Stranger Things did really well. Mm -hmm. We're gonna we're gonna do Stranger Things with older kids." I'm seeing a lot of that in the yeah. trailers that don't make the cut. I'm seeing a lot of like. Homages to Stranger Things yeah. and like remember a time when when your music soundtrack was like yeah or just in general whatever yeah. it is and you just go yeah I, I, I guess kind of mm -hmm. um, this looks fun b just because I thought that that it, it had a cool visual style it does look it, it looks cool I mean if as long as you go into it thinking okay I I've seen this before. Mm -hmm. But maybe I haven't in seen the same world this thing. with things like Turbo Kid. Turbo Kid, and and yeah, blah, 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 blah. it looks very cool. Uh, speaking of Oscar bait, um, Escape at Denimora. It's a prison escape film based on a true story. Benicio del Toro, Patricia Arquette, and Paul Dano. Yeah, oh. 
Um, this uh, looks just like that. The three of those people acting their ass off. Yeah, yeah. She is a. Um, uh, she's some type of a worker in the prison. I don't know if she's a guard. I don't know if she's. A, I think she's a, like a works in the uh, kitchen. I, yeah, I, I, maintenance I, person yeah. or whatever. Um, basically, uh, it starts fucking these these dudes mm-hmm. in in the prison. Starts fucking. It seems like has a bad marriage. Works at the f- prison. Starts fucking one of these dudes who kind of shares her with this other guy. Right. And in the midst of this, these two guys are plotting their. So escape. there's a lot going on. It's about it's about a woman of a certain age rediscovering her mm-hmm. sexuality. Um, it's about um, this ex- escape uh, um, plan. You know that 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 she becomes part of. Um, and uh, when I worked in the prison, dude, like. I remember this female CEO, you know, she wound up leaving to go marry this inmate, this guy, you know, yeah. that, you know, that, you know, that love, love grows behind bars, he'll yeah. just like well, everywhere that's else. based on an actual event. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it looks good. It look Benicio Del Toro in a weird Steven Seagal shoe polish hairdo. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> other than that, I think it's just, yeah, acting their asses off. Yeah. Looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not recognize that that was. I knew, I, like, I knew that sh- the actress was somebody, and I wasn't paying attention to the credit. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and and so it becomes a game. Then it's like, yeah, who, who is, is that? that? Is, yeah. is it Francis McDormand? No, yeah, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they released another trailer with more plot details for Godzilla Two. Yeah, and it looks great. Oh. It does. It looks cool. cool. Um, again, what's I your name from Stranger Things? Billy, no, yeah, Millie. Oh, yeah. eleven. Bobby Lee 11. Brown. <laughs> Bobby, yeah. thank you. Tip Millie. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's Millie Bobby Brown, I think, or something like something that. Something like that. Something like that. But cool. lots, yeah. of, lots of Godzilla. Lots of stuff. Lots of happening. There's only one thing I didn't like, and that is, I, I there, at some point she's petting Godzilla's nose, mm. like I did, like I don't think. Yeah. We, you know, it, we talked about this before. That the, the the guys making the trailers for these movies, they get it. Yeah, they get it because they're talking about it, they're, they're they're referencing quotes from history and things, and 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 that you know the titans, the the kaiju, uh-huh. the the monsters, are like this force of nature. It's nature, you know, it's Mother Nature saying. You guys done fucked up, yeah. and we're gonna kick your ass down. <laughs> but the filmmakers ultimately turn it back into good guys versus bad guys, mm-hmm. and the that boy and his dog. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, up next, a movie called Heretics. This looks like a modern nunsploitation movie. How many movies have been similar to this have come out since we've been doing the podcast? It seems like every week there's a haunted. Uh, nunnery. Uh, nunnery. This looks more nunsploitation, though. This looks more know, like, man. like, you know, uh, scary evil goons in there. a convent. Yeah. It's like Mario, what's his name? Mario Biano's Dark Water. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That, that kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of a thing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of... I'm not a big nunsploitation guy, but I was kind of interested in this. I'm I'm totally not interested. Right. I feel like I feel like we've talked about the same movie time and time again <laughs> on this show. Oh look, the priest is scary. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. the nun, <laughs> the nun, nun is scary. Yeah. Jump scare nun. Oh, <laughs> the least we interesting character in a really bad series. Jump uh, nun. Jump <laughs> nun. <laughs> Video game. Uh, next up, movie called The Innocence. Looks like a Netflix thing. Shapeshifters, right? 
Hmm. Uh, People that are shaped with ab ability. Oh to yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, yeah, they're 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 they're. They, this is the one where uh, uh, we see something about a mother and a daughter that are having that have the same abilities, mm -hmm. and they yeah, it looks like that they can go like maybe they touch you and then they can take on your form or something. Mm. Um, kind of chronicle-y feeling in that we yeah. have these people with these special abilities. X Men, blah 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 blah. Both a little there's CW. There's some kind of, yeah. you know, team of doctors or some government agency that's in interested in these folks for whatever reason. Dreamscape comes to mind. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if that's your thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting that uh, at first I thought it was the innocence, right? The innocence, right. the, the right. plastic, the innocence, mm -hmm. and then when I got in, I was like, oh, this is okay too. And cool. um, there's that. Next up, kindergarten teacher um, Maggie Gyllenhaal as a teacher who has a student who's five or six who's a prodigy, or and she thinks, he's or a she prodigy. thinks he's a prodigy, and the father just wants him to be normal, right? And, and this becomes an obsession with for her. this teacher, yeah, who is convinced that she has the greatest poet on earth in her classroom. Yeah, and the kids, hmm. and that's. I don't know if it's an indictment of poetry, but the kid is just talking just, kid stuff, yeah. and she's like, "Oh, it's it's brilliant." <laughs> yeah. So either poetry's full of shit, or remember my kid could paint that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, it, it looks good bec in that I think Maggie Gyllenhaal is playing that role perfectly. Yeah, she does. She she does. She comes across as like this cross between like a crazed stage mom uh -huh. and. Uh, and and the and the the guy from uh, Goodwill Hunting, Skarsgård, mm -hmm. who mm. when he's like discovers this janitor who can make you know do yeah. all these things, and and it becomes more about him. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's, it's her shop. Yes, exactly. and I think she also sees herself as sort of a shepherd of the arts. It's sure. like I, this this person needs to be much like Mozart is brought up a lot in the in the trailer. Right. Um... Next up, this Netflix thing, Maniac. A lot we talked about it before. This is the Corey Fukunaga thing. Who did yes. um, True Detective? The True Detective uh, season yeah. one. Jonah Hill, Emma Stone. Some kind of reminded me of THSX eleven thirty eight. Weird futuristic doings with people sitting in. I don't know. I was mm -hmm. just like, they're in these barber shop chairs with things on their ears and. <laughs> I can't read. See, it's like it was so yeah. unmemorable to me. Yeah. It, like it, it has so, something to do with like perception and mapping the brain, mapping being the able brain, to, to and change things. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm only interested in it because of Corey Fukunaga. Yeah. Other than that, I couldn't give a shit. Hmm. But I'm willing to give it a chance just because that guy is the is the bomb. I just realized going through these, I'm the contrarian, contrarian this week. Like uh -huh. I, I, so far, I'm like. With, nope, with, nope, with nope, a couple nope. exceptions, I, I kind of hate them all. Yeah. Um, up next, Slaughterhouse Rules, a Halloween flick starring Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Michael it, Sheen. Except this, I can't hate yeah. this because th this looks like more of the same from this. This looks guys. like Shaun of the Dead meets Harry Potter. Right. It's yeah. Ex nice. Yeah. It's there's this Slaughterhouse school or academy, academy or, or some shit. It's a school for <laughs> something. I don't know, but. 
Yeah, there there are these references to Harry Potter. Like, people are wearing, like, these striped ties. And it's basically what they've done with all the other things. And it's like, now we're doing it in a school. Mm-hmm. And it's we're... It's like Hot Fuzz. All the, yeah, the Cornetto trilogy. This is our, this is our, uh, uh, our boarding house movie. Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. or, or not boarding house, but a uh, 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 prep school movie. You yeah, know. and it's magic is involved. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. I'm in. It looks hilarious. I'm absolutely yeah. in. Um, and finally, a documentary called Zion about a legless wrestler. Dude. <laughs> That's so reductive Dude. to say that. <laughs> Dude. It's, it just looks inspiring it as It looks inspiring fuck. as fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, ag- exactly. And and I, I've seen, I think I've seen this guy wrestle. Um, yeah. um, and it's amazing. It's, mm-hmm. it's insane. Um, but yeah, it's it's... It looks fantastic. This is one of those sports documentaries that just looks. I'm kind of in. Yeah. And and I'm mostly I'm also in because it's a whole different way of thinking, right? Part yeah. of wrestling is the is the assumption of balance and mm-hmm. the, the lo- your length of leg and yeah. take that away. Yeah. Um, your job becomes a lot harder. Becomes I mean. a lot harder. Or 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 your you tactics your tactics have, have completely changed. Right. You know. Because you don't have those. You can't wrap people up. Even uh, right, exactly. Yeah, I, I would imagine you'd have to be. We're talking this like in a technical thing that has absolutely nothing to do with well, yeah. the movie. But I, I, I would imagine like you'd have to be more like a, I don't know, like a spider. Mm-hmm. You know that that crawls on you and gets to a position of of you know. Yeah. And it's it's collegiate wrestling, so it's not even like MMA where he can choke the guy out. He yeah. can't do that. Yeah. You know. Just uh, it's 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 incredible and uh, yeah. What are we doing? What are we reading? Well, she's reading. You know what I'm reading. You're (laughs) reading the the new Brian Hodge. I am reading the new Brian Hodge. It's great. I hear good things about this Hodge guy. Immaculate Void. Go get it. It's awesome. Cool. Is it is it available in both hardcover and Kindle? I believe so. Mine is on my phone, but I think that there's a physical version as well. Right on. You. Um, I'm reading the uh, advanced reader's copy of Sherry Priest's The Agony House, which is a uh, uh, it's a YA novel. What's 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 fun about it is that it has illustrations and it actually has some sequential um, oh, almost like comic art. Sequ- yeah, so scenes in it too. Um, I I haven't dug deep into it yet. I just started, um, but I, I I've yet to read anything by her that I didn't just adore. So yeah, she's um, great. I'm, I'm really looking for it. Luce, Luce, <laughs> Lucida Might and the House of Horrors. <laughs> when no man can save the day, enter the call or solve the mystery. Yeah, it it, it looks very very cool. Um, it has something to do with this old Victorian house, and and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Nice. Uh, I'm still reading Andrew Vox Strega, but I had a mm. funny interaction the other day on Facebook. Um, I had read a line that he wrote, um, quote, It didn't matter now, the broad was making word sounds from her mouth, but all I heard was tick, tick, tick. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I thought it was really funny. <laughs> um, that's the kind of language that when I hear that, it's like Lansdale. When you hear it, you just go, ah, oh, that sentence is so great. <laughs> but I got a note back from Andrew Vox, who <gasps> said, This generous gesture is an example of what keeps us alive, my friend. The most powerful weapon in any writer's arsenal is word of mouth, but not compensated word, not 
favor traded word, not blind shared word, but word from a trusted and respected source. So your communication to your own network is beyond any value I could express. Wow. Very nice guy. That is very Way different than the guy that told me to go fuck myself in (laughs) 1995. (laughs) But yeah, he's he's an awesome dude. it took a little getting used to the Strega, but now I'm kind of into it. I like this cast of characters. I love the fact that like he's got people he le- he does lean on, and one of them is a lady that runs a Chinese um, restaurant, and uh, you know everyone's got colorful names, and everyone's tough and done time, and it's sure. it's very very fun. Uh, what are you listening to? Bell Witch. Okay. Bellwitch is uh, uh, yet another drone doom metal band out of um, Seattle, um, and uh, they're a little more melodic than than or than some of the stuff that I've been listening to. And uh, I, I highly suggest people check them out. Just look up Bellwitch band. Right not, on. Not Bellwitch of like Kentucky. That's right. different, you know. Although I'm and sure they're not named after are, that thing. God, why does that sound like like I do they have metal records out? Yeah, but they're not they're not doing they're not it's there's none of this. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Think <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. How about you? What are you listening to? Well, let's see. Um my daughter recently got me in Death Grips and I fell hard. Death fell grips? Hard death grips. Yeah. yeah. They're 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 sort of um Metal rap, experimental—I don't know how to describe noise it. Rap. Noise rap. They're okay. great. Yeah. They're great. And wow. then, and then I always come back around to Unknown Henson. I, I just always do because uh, Unknown Henson. Unknown um, Henson. Mm-hmm. Now, if if you ever watch um, Squidbillies on on Cartoon Network, oh, okay. He's he's the voice of early Kyler, the dad. Okay. And he's also an incredible musician and probably one of the best guitarists playing in America right now. Wow. And just has the darkest, most messed up sense of humor. He he is kind of wow. I'm not sure how people are going to take him these Physi- days. <laughs> physically, oh yeah, I know. Yeah, these days, I don't know. Physically, he kind of resembles a cross between um, Wendy Bagwell, if you know who that is, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Slim Whitman. Mm-hmm. His persona is like a hillbilly vampire. Who's been in jail for yeah. thirty years? And I love this. I love this. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Great. You got to check it out. Yeah. Unknownhenson.com. You got to listen to this guy. Right on. Go in with a sense of humor, though. So please. I'm trying to pair my this list down because it's always just this avalanche thing. Right. So we're gonna go through a couple things real quick. Number one, Santana. Santana. Mm. <laughs> New York Invitation is a live set. It's awesome. Cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a career spanning live set, and it's great. That's a, a new ish mm-hmm. uh, live album. Yeah, it just came out. Okay. last week. These are all all of these have come out in the last week okay. or so. Um, Harry Gregson's Williams scored a Meg. This new giant yeah. shark oh, movie shark that movie. everyone like everyone seems to like. They're Everybody likes Sharknado too, though. Tom. Yeah, they're like this. Is what they're saying? <laughs> they're saying it's really dumb. But it's cool, okay. and that's enjoyable. Well, the book is really dumb, but cool. So. <laughs> Clint Manziel score. Clint Manziel did the score to things like Fountainhead, Ooh. that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, new, the New Radical, great. Cool. Cantoma uh, has an EP out called Verbana. I'm going to skip a bunch of this. I'm not going to talk about those three. And then finally, the pick of the week, the thing I had no idea about, Brian Bromberg is a jazz um, upright ba- bass player sure. mm. plays a fretless ups- upright bass, and 
I'm going in thinking that I'm going to get one thing. I'm going to get jazz, but very open, airy, because of the fretless bass. Right, right, right. Instead, it's slapping and popping and bop, mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Nice. Fucking amazing. Cool. Um, and that is that. Uh, we're done. <laughs> Thanks again to Brian Hodge. Next week, we have our fingers crossed on our guest. Yep. Do we want to talk about that? Yep. We're not going to jinx it. I don't want to jinx it, but... but it, it I, I'm just going to say... Badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully, this will, I'm, we're, we're, we're talking in email, but I think this is going to happen, and it's going to be great. Um, Before we go, can I encourage everybody to go see Sorry to Bother You? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so amazing. Weird, jacked up, incredible movie. It's it's not what you think it is. Oh, we didn't even talk about <laughs> what we've been watching. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> shit, what did we just go see? My wife and I just went to see something. What the fuck was it? <laughs> Shows I, you how don't, I don't know. Good I don't know it was. <laughs> what, oh, this? Equalizer 2. Oh, okay. Shit. Was it Equalizer 2. No. No. Oh. <laughs> um, Anton Fuqua inherently doesn't know how to handle sequels. This is an a clearly overweight Denzel Washington engaging in fight scenes that are all cutting and and the story is dumb and you see the bad guy who the bad guy is right away. They kill off a character that that it's such a waste for what you're going for. Yeah. Um uh, I didn't see who choreographed the fight scenes, but they were not what you saw in the first one. Wow. So I was bummed. All right. Now we're done. <laughs> All right. Wow. Yes. Th- I've heard good things about, about that film that That's you amazing. mentioned. So again, next week, hopefully this guy is going to, going to be here and we're going to, we're going to rock. And, um, good stuff coming up. Yeah. Please go to our Patreon page, bonus material, uh, patreon.com slash and Facebook and stuff like that and uh, uh, buy one of my books please (laughs) alright thank you for the bonus material podcast I'm Tom Carnell I'm Lorelai Shannon and I'm Langley West stay scary So what? Eat deal.